This is Confessions of a Closet Romantic, a podcast where I celebrate my love of romantic TV shows, books, movies, and talk in detail about why I love them so much without embarrassment or shame, mostly. This is Poppy, and in this episode, trope love, naughty, silly, frothy, fun, sexy, It's a choose-your-own trope adventure. Okay, friendly warning, this episode is going to be explicit. I mean, plenty of swearing and lusty talk. Okay, just us here? People of romance, if you've listened to this podcast before, you know that this is a shame-free, judgment-free zone. That includes any romantic trope that makes your heart sing, floats your boat, titillates you, makes you feel sexy, seen, or supported. Tropes are just consistent plot structures that take you on a particular journey, They aren't necessarily trite or stale, though that can happen, but at their best, they're the framework for imaginative stories that bring you to a certain dependable conclusion. So I am a major fan of the trope and the tropes that I particularly love. So prepare. This is going to be one big group hug of a show. Right now, I'm hugging you and all of your favorite tropes. Aww. Since I'm running the show, I vote for a quick revisit of this, ooh, May-December cougar romance scene from Something's Gotta Give. You might have heard it in my last episode. I cannot get enough of this. How sexy is Keanu Reeves? Men my age, or at least the ones I've met, well, look, I'm not that regular person. And they really, they like regular. Men your age may be really stupid, do you ever think about it? Uh, Yes, I have. Many times. I knew you'd smell good. It's just soap. Erica. You're incredibly sexy. So I've been devouring a ton of contemporary romances lately. I'm not exaggerating. Sometimes I'm reading a book a day. Thanks, isolation. Okay, I know it's not unusual for people who love romance, but this long, cold pandemic winter, at least where I am in the world, is calling, no, yelling for escape, for stories heavy on warm, sensual people and hot love. Romantic stories make me feel warm, optimistic, and hopeful. As we know, if we want hot and erotic, though, we'll need to read or listen to romance audiobooks because straight-up erotic romances don't often get adapted for movies and TV shows. But the popularity of Outlander and now Bridgerton, hopefully it's opened eyes and that gate. So the clips in this episode come from the hottest romance audiobooks I've read lately. Ah, I have read some great ones. 
I'm going to need to read some aloud, though, too, because the book might be on fire, but the choice of the narrator isn't. And if you've read a lot of romance and you're particular about your romance audiobook narrators, I feel you. Because, I mean, they're practically in the bedroom with you during some of those scenes. So we're right to be particular. Jesus, Mary and Joseph, he's going to kiss me. Maybe he shouldn't have warned me because now all I can think about is that I haven't brushed my teeth in over 15 hours. And what if he turns his head in the same direction I do and we clash teeth? Oh God, this could be very bad. But his hands glide up my arms and into my hair where he fists them and holds on for dear life as his lips sink over mine. He's still for a moment. And then we're all tangled lips and moans of pleasure. It's exactly as I remember it being ten years ago. His tongue glides over my lips, and he nibbles the corner, making the hair on the back of my neck stand on end. He cups my jaw and neck, and peppers sweet kisses over to my cheekbone and farther to my ear. So damn sexy, he growls. I can't reply. I'm pretty sure my bones have liquefied, and without him holding me up, I'd fall into a puddle on the floor. That would be a sight for the cleaning crew to behold. Did you just laugh? He asks against my neck. Oh, dear Moses, if he kisses my neck, I'm done for. Yep, done for. He pulls my shirt aside and kisses my shoulder, too. And I'm pretty sure my vagina is going to explode from hotness overload. Maybe. I reply and bite my lip when he nibbles his way back up my neck. Why? I don't remember. He smiles against my lips before he kisses me once more and then pulls away. Wow, oh, I whisper. So you're not impotent after all. Excuse me? My eyes fly open in horror. I didn't mean to say that out loud. Ignore that. Was there a rumor going around that I'm impotent? I silently call myself every horrible name in the book and scrub my hands over my face, trying to pull myself out of the sexual haze Camden just had me in. Not that I'm aware of, I reply and clear my throat. I'm just dumb, and we should never speak of this again. If you need me to prove the rumor wrong, I can. He says, and I meet his eyes for the first time since the kiss of the century. He's not mad. He's grinning, and if I'm not mistaken, his cheeks are flushed. He is as turned on as I am. Maybe another time, I murmur and hop off the stool. So, lots of romance tropes are fairly inoffensive to the casual fan. You know, elaborate misunderstandings that get resolved at the end. Enemies become friends. Friends become lovers. People get a second chance at love, breakups and makeups. Love is a mystery, blah, blah, blah. And all that stuff can and does happen in real life, and in a fair amount of costume dramas and rom-coms, too. And then there are the more, I don't know, custom tropes, scenarios or storylines that seem particular to certain authors of contemporary romances, of the past decade at least. The website tvtropes.org is full of these 
And it is such a blast to read through the imaginative descriptions. They're written by contributors who have obviously had a lot of time to view popular culture and parse through it. There are thousands. And if you fall into that website and don't come out for a week, please don't blame me. I never saw scenes or themes like this when I started reading romance. I start out with historicals, and now I'm thinking kink and wild fantasies that are a blast to try on in story form, like characters who visit a BDSM club on the regular, surprise anonymous three-ways, crazy hot sex with a part human, part animal fantasy creature. They've got unusual, but useful body parts, or romancing a vampire who's trying to tamp down their bloodlust for you, or, hey, we don't have to live these lives, but it's so much fun to feel what these relationship scenarios might be like, risk-free. That's all this is. He's beautiful and he's here. Nothing more. She was reaching and she knew it, but she didn't want to stop. He sighed at the same world-weary sound he'd made at the bar. Another time. Wait. She clung to him, her inner voice screaming that this was a mistake, but she wasn't listening. He went still, but it wasn't with surprise like the last time. No, this was a predator ready to pounce. Say what you want, sweetheart. I need you to be perfectly clear. Again, her common sense tried to say this was an awful idea. Two years of being good and keeping to the straight and narrow. If I'm going to jump off a bridge, it might as well be with this man. There's no chance of feelings getting involved in me making the same mistake I did with Sergei. One night, one time, and then I walk away with no strings attached. She reached between them and cupped the front of his slacks. I want this. She stroked him, the feel of his thick length in the palm of her hand, making her entire body perk up even further. Just this once. He didn't back up, his lips brushing hers with each word. This is a mistake. Yes. There was no way she could pretend otherwise. Fuck. He nuzzled her neck, making her shiver. Just. Fuck. And then he lifted her off the ground, waiting until she wrapped her legs around his waist to walk a few feet down the street to an alley. It was much cleaner than the one behind Jameson's, but not by much. She didn't care, as long as he didn't stop touching her. Woo, okay. Some tropes and stories can actually be healing. If you haven't had healthy relationships modeled while growing up, you can experience them in fiction and start to recognize what they should look like. If you grew up in an emotionally maladjusted family like me, you often can't recognize or even feel worthy of non-critical, accepting relationships. So seeing them play out on the page can be so comforting. Yes, she swallowed and grabbed the front of her shirt before he could reach for the next button. Could we, uh, that is, could you hold on one second while I close the curtains? The curtains? He glanced towards the balcony doors, then turned back to her. Nobody can see us. I know, privacy isn't so much the issue. 
it's more of a brightness thing. I can relax better if it's darker. You don't say. He ran a finger over the hand she still clasped to the front of her shirt. His touch made her realize her knuckles ached from gripping the material so tightly. A thin laugh wheezed out of her, and then she dropped her hand. Wait right here. Don't move. She hurried to the glass doors and drew the shears. Not good enough. The room still offered clear visibility. She drew the blackout curtain and the heavy drapes. Better. Now the only sources of light consisted of a stingy band from the hallway coming in under the door and a thin outline glowing around the edges of the curtains. If you get any more relaxed, I'll have to learn Braille. You think it's too dark? Great. He thought she was a freak, which she was, of course, but he didn't understand because he had the body of a god. Never had he stood in a hallway at school red-faced and near tears while jerkwad Jeremy Needleman taunted, Come on, shorty, show us your tits. And all the other kids laughed. Never had he endured a girl's locker room full of dissecting looks and behind-the-hand comments like, She could be cute if she just... Cut it out. This trip down memory lane is not helping. The darkness makes it exciting and mysterious, don't you think? I'm thinking dangerous, actually. She took a few steps towards his voice and stumbled over his shoes, unintentionally proving his point. Somehow he caught her despite the darkness. Yeah, this isn't going to work. Hold on. He put her on her feet, and then the next thing she knew... The nightstand light clicked on. There, that's better. Now come here. He snagged a finger into the V of her blouse and tugged her to him. You're overdressed. She watched meet with embarrassment as his long, capable fingers made quick work of the rest of the buttons. Her tongue unlocked when he parted the fabric and she started to babble. So I, I, I just, I, I should warn you, I'm... Irresistible, he said as he pushed the shirt down her arms. His attention lingered on the swell of her breasts over her mortifyingly unsexy grandma bra. I'm big, big, I'm big. A splotchy crimson flush bloomed under his touch, and she knew by the heat in her face that her cheeks had turned the same shade of sunburn. Beautiful. I can't wait to touch every inch of you. Whoosh. Anxiety came rushing at her like a tsunami, but his hands were already behind her, unhooking her bra and luring it down her arms before she could get voice to her doubts. Don't give them voice, New Sophie urged. Somehow you've hit the daily double of excitement and passion. Don't ruin this moment. You know what? Until you find healthy relationships, read about them and fake it till you make it. Okay, group hug! Aww, so cute. I'm also guessing, though, that I might be able to tolerate more misbehavior in book relationships because of my screwy childhood. But I also absorb a lot of positivity and good role models from romances. 
all the consent language, characters who honor their partners, who love and accept them for who they are, however their body looks, however their mind works, however smart they are, experienced they are, and however they like sex. Tropes can be cathartic, help us work through issues, help us identify issues, and allow a safe peek into a different world. I'm thinking of romance series that feature dominant and often controlling alpha males like motorcycle romances or alpha men in law enforcement or professional sports. I talked about these recently and how much I love them. Most are written by women, so they're the best combination of charismatic partners who show they care by being a bit bossy, but also have some give. They're not afraid to compromise. They're thoughtful and considerate and actually turned on when they meet someone who's confident in themselves and demands respect. Countertop beside her. You can set it down. She hurries away again, but before I can turn around, she's back. Do you need something, Camden? She asks. She's clearly busy and maybe a bit pissed off, so I do what I know to do with Mia. I wrap my arms around her from behind and hug her. She stiffens. I'm at work. So you are. Seriously, Camden. She wiggles away and turns to face me now, no humor anywhere on her face. What's up? I was just thinking about you, so I thought I'd stop in and bring you something. See if I can help out. I don't need any help today, she says and turns away. Thanks for the coffee. It's going to get cold if you don't drink it. She stops what she's doing, sighs, picks up the cup, and takes a sip. Yum, thanks. You're welcome. I smile brightly, but she doesn't return it. What's going on, Mia? I'm just trying to catch up here. These two yahoos were supposed to come in early today to prep for later, and neither of them remembered. She says remembered with finger quotation marks. So here we are, busting ass to be ready on time. I told you I can help. I don't need your help. I need the people I pay good money to to show up on fucking time. She glares at the others. Neither is brave enough to look up. So, thanks for the coffee, but I don't have time to stand here and entertain you. Must be about to start a period, I mumble and turn away. I don't reach the door before I hear one of the sous chefs say, Dumbass. What did you just say? Mia demands. I turn around to find her standing with her hands fisted on her hips and her blue eyes shooting fire. She's gorgeous when she's pissed off. I was just making an observation, I reply. You weren't this moody this morning, which was literally two hours ago, and now I can't seem to do anything right. God grant me the strength to not beat the shit out of the people around me today, she says as she scrubs her hands over her face. You know what, Camden? I'll see you tomorrow. I can't even deal with you right now, or later. I can meet you at your place tomorrow, she repeats, eyes narrowed. Fine. Depending on your background and experiences, though, some tropes might feel unappealing or even threatening, which is perfectly legitimate and acceptable. I grew up with bossy, somewhat controlling people like this, so it's not that I accept that's the way things should be, but how these characters express caring and concern 
feels familiar and relatable to me. Even if it seems overbearing or borderline abusive to others, that's why I think not yucking on others' yums is so important to remember. Fantasies are appealing because they present extremes in a safe setting. 99.9% of the time in romance, you're in good hands. Romance writers make sure there's an authentic and happy ever after, and also an ending that's full of mutual respect. I will defend to the end the right of romance writers viewers or readers to create and enjoy the stories that make sense to them and appeal to them. And if they don't appeal, there's a ton to read and watch, so you can always find something that makes you feel good. Oh yeah. It's all okay. It's okay to pass on certain romances, to abandon them if they bother you. It's also totally okay, obviously, to embrace what makes you feel good and enter these fantasy worlds with full awareness once in a while. It's okay if a trope or story turns you on in fiction, but not real life. What happens in romance stays in romance. Most friends in romance are accepting and tolerant, but once in a while you find someone shaming a romance fan online for not being woke enough because they like a certain trope. You know I'm not okay with that. Refusing to be shamed for what I like is the reason I started this podcast. Just listen to my first episode, Goodbye Romance Shame, for more on that. So friends of romance... I want you to know that I support your romance choices wherever they take you. Do you and have fun. It's just a story. If you get something useful out of what you read and watch, even better. Those are the only rules I'll agree to follow, and I hope that's true for you as well. So considering what I've been reading lately... It sounds like it's time to practice some non-judgment on myself. Because just thinking about a bored librarian looking at my checked out book list, uh, well. (laughs) Hi, Liz. Hi, Kyle. If you enjoy this podcast, I hope you'll consider clicking share from your podcast app or following me or telling a romance-loving friend about it. Find show notes with links to what I've been babbling about at confessionsofaclosetromantic.com. Special shout out to my listeners in New Zealand and Japan. Oh, how I'd love to visit your beautiful countries one day. And it's so nice to have your company. Until next time, wishing you every shame-free romance trope your heart desires.